Hello, nerds, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast, episode 85. We are recording on Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021, and I am one of your hosts, Chris Shinobi Sternum. Uh, this week on the podcast, we will be talking all about the end of Stadia's internal studios, uh, and it is an Xbox takeover episode because joining me this week is at Stellar Smalls. Angie, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm uh, I'm wondering how long I can last with the 32-pound dog on my lap. My legs are already going numb. Oh, no. I hope you don't <laughs> end up with like just like the pure pins and needles feeling and like fall over. Uh, that's, that's like, no yeah, way. that's almost one of the worst feelings ever. It's like such a specific form of uncomfortableness. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. Happens to me by the end of most podcast recordings because I record out of a kitchen table chair. <laughs> it's better than like I I stole a chair, but I you I have a stool. That's like my usual gaming chair is a stool. It sucks. Oh my gosh. You must have incredible posture or terrible <laughs> posture. Uh better posture just because I am a fan of chiropractic care. So uh. but I'm familiar with stools. I don't like them because I'm just like, I need to be adjusted now. <laughs> I have not dove into the world of chiropractic care yet, but I have a regular PT routine that I stick to. Also good. Also good. Um, speaking of back stuff, we're going to jump into the lowdown because there is a utter colossal backlog of news to get through this week. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to be a part of the, con- oh, uh, to clarify, um, our two other regular co-hosts, AJ and John, uh, sadly were lost on the final mission on the Normandy and will not be making it to the show this week. Uh, <laughs> Boo. If you want to be a part of the conversation or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach us at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. If you do not use Twitter, you can send us an old-fashioned email to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. MostlyNormalGamers.com is our website. You can go check it out. It will be updated soon. And speaking of updated soon, next Monday will be the Mostly Normal Monthly. Uh, so you can find that and subscribe at MNGamers.Substack.com. Read some of the old stuff at MNGamers.Substack.com to, to kind of see our thoughts on all kinds of games. I got my review of Final Fantasy VII Remake in there and our Game of the Year for 2020 list is in there. Uh, but we'll have some fresh February stuff for everyone next, uh, you know, on Monday when this comes out. All of that being said, we're going to jump into what you've been playing. Angie, tell me, what have you been playing? I know uh, not to spoil it, but I did watch a little bit of what you were playing uh, when you did a Twitch stream recently. Yeah, so Breath of the Wild, still going at it. I did a stream last Thursday, if I remember correctly. And that stream I did, oh, legs going numb. I did um, the Vonaboris Divine Beast. So that was puzzling. Like I mentioned that to you, the last podcast that I was going to do it, and you you had mentioned, I believe, that it was going to be like the, pu- like the puzzles in there were a little more difficult than the other ones. Definitely. Yeah, it was. It was difficult. It was fun. It was interesting. And the the boss... I I just had a brain fart as I was gaming. I'm like, what do I do with these metal rods that he's throwing at me from the sky? 
exactly. I did not think of lifting them up and bringing it towards them. That is a hundred, a hundred percent the thing. Uh, that I feel like it happens to everyone. Like I don't think it's telegraphed that clearly in that fight. Yeah, no, it's it's not. I I just kept running around and like, do I, do I shoot an arrow at him? No, he just puts his shield in his face, so that doesn't do anything. <laughs> like I just, it was ridiculous. But I did it. It was awesome. Um, but then I did another stream on Saturday, like noonish, one maybe, um, just doing some random missions and quests and stuff. Awesome. Getting some th- getting some stuff done. Yeah, probably do some more streaming with it because I just I like that game so much. But I like to take my time and explore and do side missions and stuff before I just beat it. Yeah, it's it seems like just having like been in the chat during that stream uh, on Thursday, like it is such a good sit and consider the puzzle and like chat it out with the people watching the stream game. And yeah. so it's awesome that you're starting with that one. Yeah, it was it was nice because somebody had mentioned like, oh, hey, do this and like lift the rods up, put it towards them. So electrocutes I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think about that. But yeah, it's it's nice when people can chime in or like ask questions themselves. Like I had some people ask some questions on Saturday, like what I thought of the game or if it was worth it to do side missions or just to beat the game or if there was a story mode. I'm like, hell yeah, do the side missions like that's. It's an open world. That's what it's all about. You don't have to do the main story. I mean, you can, but explore some stuff, do some things. The thing that I loved about that game was like nothing ever felt. I mean, like they were obviously like little fetch quest side missions, but like it just felt like part of being in that world. Like it it didn't feel like, oh, there's a side quest character over there. I better go talk to them. It's like, what's going on with this person staring at this tree like <laughs> why is your back turned to everyone else <laughs> so and- random yeah and i that actually that's why I, t- I talked to a random person that was just sitting on the side like of a trail or whatever i'm like why are you just standing here like what's happening so i talked to them and all of a sudden poof they're a yiga clan member and they're trying to attack me i'm like oh that's fun <laughs> that's interesting and that's how i found out there was like mighty bananas and they had rupees and i was like sweet money the first time that that happens like shook me <laughs> yeah because you were like wait what you want to fight me what's happening it's just like the cackling like they're like oh we've got you hero <laughs> it's great <laughs> yeah it's it's good it's been a fun game that's why i, I just can't play anything i mean i can play other things i just don't want to because this game is just so much fun well, I'm glad you're still enjoying it, and uh, we'll plug the stream again at the end, but uh, where can people follow along when you're streaming? Yeah, at Stellar Smalls um, on Twitch, on Twitter, and Instagram, everywhere. Awesome. Yeah. I just got done <laughs> playing uh, the brand new Series X um, next-gen patch for Control Ultimate Edition, I threw like 30 minutes into it right before we jumped on the call to record. Yeah. And I, in the settings, so on the Series X and per watching some stuff on Digital Foundry and uh, like obviously on the PS5, um, it lets you choose between a 60 FPS performance mode and a 30 FPS like fidelity graphics mode. And so I went with the graphics mode because that game is a ray tracing show horse. Had you have a chance to check out Control at all? No, I, I was just looking at it now and it looks awesome. And I, I'm i excited to hear more about it just because 
I mean, you just look like a bad bitch that's just running around shooting at people, right? Yeah, so I only did a tiny bit of the combat encounters. I got what's called your uh, service weapon, um, which I I know a lot about this game from having like heard discussions about it, but I oh, okay. to avoid kind of like a lot of conversations around it. So the game started out with um, that bad bitch whose name is not like ingrained in my head enough yet to know <laughs> the <protagonist laughs> name, um, doing kind of like an ongoing inner monologue that continues throughout the whole start of the game. I imagine that's um, going to be there for the whole game. Um, and it almost seems as if she's talking to you, the player, which is really great. Oh, um, interesting. So she's walking up to uh, this building that I know as the oldest house um, and did read in some of like the, you know, pickup materials, like the, you know, the like kind of like optional reading stuff that they have scattered throughout um, uh-huh. so the file. And it referred to the oldest house, which is this like 1980s. Um, I don't know architecture, but like people call it brutalist style architecture where it's like that giant cement block um, structure. and. Okay. Inside is the Federal Bureau of Control. And so you like walk in and it's like completely empty in a mysterious way, except for this dude who's just the janitor. And the janitor is like humming and singing to himself over in a corner. And I walk up and talk to him and he's like, oh, you must be here for the job listing. You must be here for the job. Go, you'll be working for me. Go, um, go to the elevator and let them know you're here to interview for, for the job to work for me, the janitor. Um, and so you like turn around and like the, I swore I was walking one direction and then like went in a full loop back to where I just came in from, but there was now like an elevator there that had opened. Weird. And there's like all these memos lying around where it's talking about, or there was like a, a recording of like what to do if there was like an unintentional shifting going on in the rooms and like suddenly the room had changed. So the game has really, really strong, like science fictiony, horror-y vibes coming off of it. I think like a really obvious comparison to the mood that it sets is like X-Files stuff. But I haven't quite encountered any of like the really psychological kind of like weird horror stuff. It's just been some like really intense visual stuff. Um, and it sp- sounds like um, Alan Wake. If you played made that, by Amity, which is the same, uh, the same team made this game oh okay interesting um and if you like alan wake i think it's like kind of a spoiler to bring this up but there is a dlc pack which would be included in the ultimate edition that has to do with the alan wake universe oh so i'm i'm glad that they i mean it just some games you can just tell that it has like kind of similar aspects to them and this one kind of has that so far look to it if i mean the, how you're describing it anyways when you're playing it so that's kind of cool that they do that yeah chick. i know like alan wake i think i'm kind of pedestrian when it comes to like i don't read a ton of stuff in my free time but um it, you know I, I think people make like stephen king a- allegories uh, with that game a lot and yeah so, um you know I, it falls into that same like what's going on here like low levels of dread kind of thing going on there's really striking visuals they use the color red and white in really interesting ways so far and um the ray tracing is wild the reflections on the floors the reflections in glass um it just like is really really striking um and kind of shows like what next gen is probably going to be all about 
other than frame rates, which see, it's like the two things uh, so far of next gen seem like they're going to be frame rates and ray tracing and uh, the inevitable choice between one or the other. Right. Well, I'm uh, glad they give you the option too, so you can just kind of compare. Yeah, I know one of the things I've thought about, and I want to hear what you think about this is, do you think that option toggle is something that stays with us throughout the generation? Or do you think like, as it becomes like, this is an Xbox series X or S game, or this is a PS5 game, do you think they'll kind of take that front end away from users and just kind of give them what they, the developer determines is the optimal version of the game? Because this is something that's been kind of on my mind. No, I, it's a good question. I, I want to say they'll take it away, but I kind of don't at the same time, just because when they remaster games, so like when the Xbox Series X is just kind of, you know, like the regular Xbox One or something, or Xbox in general, like when they remaster, for example, the uh, Master Chief Collection, they remaster it. So you can, you, I mean, I believe you could, the last time I played it, you could toggle back to what it used to look like when it first was developed and then what it looks like now. You can play it in either way and you can toggle in-game too. So that's kind of nice. So I would say that, you know, if they're going to be developing games continuously like this, which I would imagine so, um, and maybe even remastering some games that they'd want to keep that toggle there just so people can kind of go back and forth for, you know, nostalgia or if they just wanted to see what it looked like. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure what's going to happen with those menus, but I don't, I almost feel like for me, it makes me feel like it's like a Sophie's choice, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm making it so that I know I'm either getting the version with ray tracing or the version that runs at 60 and I can't have both makes me feel like no matter what I'm choosing, I'm missing out if that hits. Missing out on something, just that one thing, whatever it may be. Right. right? Like yeah. how do you choose between like literally it like controlling better because it runs at 60? <laughs> <laughs> it is like way more beautiful, which is like, why do we do a leap to next gen? Usually it's like, we want to see that visual upgrade. Right. Yeah. Or at least historically that's been the reason. Um, yeah. And I'm not like a frame counting savant who can like catch when things are not running at 60 usually. Although with the amount of PC I've been playing and the amount of stuff that is like at 60, just through back compat, I think I am noticing a little bit more of that, but it's just not something that I care that much about still. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think a lot of people do right now anyways. I mean, there might be some people that do, but not, not the majority for sure. The thing that I think is complicated for developers about this though, is like, how do you market better frame rates to like non-enthusiasts, right? Uh, I think it's really easy to show someone ray tracing and show them why that's next generation. Like it's graphics are easy to show why they're beautiful and why it's like a step up. Right. Oh yeah. Very easy. And I don't know if like this runs at 120 FPS translates to like the common person who's going to be at best Buy buying a series X in 2023, but we'll see. We will, we shall see. The other game I was playing, speaking of <laughs> Xbox back combat, is uh, Sekiro. This morning I beat uh, Lady Butterfly. Uh, she was the third boss I beat. I think there's a little bit of flexibility kind of in the order that you beat bosses in the game. So um, I've beaten three bosses and eight mini bosses. Um, 
kind of like I said last week, the game kind of clicked for me and it's been really, really challenging, but like pretty rewarding in a way that, um, I mean, Doom Eternal was challenging and rewarding in a similar way, but this just has like another level of like, I mean, I think Doom Eternal felt like similarly demanding and maybe was an appropriate game to play before it. So is there, because I've never played this game before, is there, is, so is it, is it Sekiro? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Sekiro. Sekiro. Um, is it Shadows Die Twice? Yes. Okay. Looks awesome. Is there any other ones? So is this the second one or is this just the first one? Um, so that's the first one. This is a FromSoft game, so it's in the same lineage as like the Dark Souls trilogy and Bloodborne. Oh, all the same oh, developer. I was wondering. Yeah. And it I don't know about you. Like when I saw Dark Souls initially, I was like, well, that's just looks like kind of a generic y fantasy world. Like it didn't like click with me why I would enjoy playing it. And yeah. then um I was kind of a Bloodborne hater when they showed Bloodborne because they showed it in the same EA PlayStation press conference that they revealed the Order 1886. And both of those games like looked very drab and dark and gray at the same time. Um, I recognize that like that was a bad take on that. But at the time, that was kind of my take when it first came out. And yeah. I had also kind of written off from soft games <laughs> because I was like, those games are too hard. I'm just not going to put myself through that. Um, but Did you feel this one was as difficult as you thought it would be? I think it is at times more difficult than I thought it would be. It just demands timing in a way that I, I don't think it's like playable by everyone. So you think timing as in like combat moves when you're trying to fight somebody? Yeah. So um, since you like have very little background about it i'll try and explain like the basics of the combat which is like you have your right bumper which is your like attack attack right um and so like depending on how you time it and if you're like sprinting forward or like moving a direction you might like swing it differently or if you like hold it it's a stab attack versus slash right but then the other main part of combat is your block button which is your left bumper right so kind of like the two main I mean, you know, for some games it's triggers, but for this game, it's the bumpers. The two main actions in combat are like using the block button and using the attack button. And mm. the game is all about parrying. Okay. Which, and it has a very, very narrow window of time in which you can parry correctly. So it's really demanding of you to like, it's all people have compared it to a rhythm game. And like when it's hitting right, it can definitely feel like it's like, I am the king of the world. Um, like there were sequences where I would like go, like I would play a boss like six times, seven times, eight times, set the game down for the day, go about my day, come back the next morning. Cause I've been playing it in the morning before work and have like a run against a boss that felt like flawless parrying. And that is one of the coolest feelings I've ever had in a video game. That, I mean, that would make sense, um, with the culture that it looks like that it's coming from that if it's once you make it that flawless parrying then it would just be so smooth and just feel like it's so right and godlike almost well yeah and the thing that's like the thing for me is like why Sekiro became the one to draw me in is because the shinobi like 
you know, kind of like feudal Japan setting is mm -hmm. way more of a place I want to go explore and spend time in than Dark Souls was initially and then Bloodborne was at first blush. Although um, the gothic horror vibes of that game and, you know, kind of knowing that it might have some um, Cthulhu, you know, kind of, I can't think of dude's name right now. HP Lovecraft, Lovecraftian influences in it um, might be something that I'm interested in checking out, especially after I play this game, because I've heard this is like of those games, this is the most demanding one. And so it'd be kind of cool to like stay in this kind of challenging environment, but maybe make it a little bit more manageable. Um, yeah. But I, I really like it. I, it's gotten its hooks in me enough that it's like the kind of thing that it's like, I'm willing to put myself through this to keep at it. And like the feeling of, of like accomplishment after winning a, a boss fight is hard to say I've ever found in another game. I like this game, like just how it sounds, how it looks so far. And I think, I think I need to check this out. How do you do with, where's your, like, I've retried this fight too many times bar. It's, I, I never cross it just because, I mean, in a sense of in one day, yeah, that can happen. Um, that happened with uh, an ogre on Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I just could not for the life of me kill him and it drove me insane. But I would play it. I would just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And then when it was, because it was usually at night when I'm playing, when it became like midnight, I have to wake up in five hours for work. I should probably go to bed. So then, you know, <laughs> do that, try it again after work the next day. And then just, you know, keep doing it until I actually beat it. And usually it's like having, after having a break, going back to it and then having a fresh start. Um, but I always keep trying. I'm just like, because I need to have that satisfaction of beating said character. You need the itch scratched. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> the, uh, so if you do pick this game up, the, I'll, I'll give you one warning. And then I want to say one quick story that happened to me. Um, the one warning is in order to progress successfully through the game as a like beginner player, you need to get certain items and weapon upgrades and they are hidden from you. It is not explained how you find them or where you get them very clearly. And I highly recommend using a walkthrough. Okay. Just, Just, at least to get those things. That is what I've been doing with this game. Like it asks so much of you that it's like, if I can do anything to get like a little bit of an edge on this game, because it is that hard for me, I'm going to do that. The second thing is one of those upgrades that makes this uh, the area that I think I'm supposed to go to next um, was with a person named uh, the Black Hat Badger. Um, and so uh, one of the guides said, hey, go find uh, Black Hat Badger and he'll sell you this Shinobi prosthetic tool, which is um, a wolf the character you play has. Um, loses an arm and has this really cool prosthetic arm that has all these amazing um, extra weapons that you get to utilize. And it's kind of like your your special tool with like limited ammo for the game. Sweet. And so su supposedly in order to pass through this valley that I had found, the sunken valley um, that I'd already tried to explore and just got murked by a dude with a shotgun. <laughs> oh. um, it's recommended that you go to the 
the badger character and get his upgrade tool. Little did I know I I had killed him uh, previous to trying to figure this out. Um, Like I was taking a break from fighting one of the bosses and just like exploring more and accidentally got in a fight with him, which was very challenging because he has a little metal hat that deflects all of your attacks. Oh, shit. And I killed him. But luckily, there is a mechanism in the game, as I frantically Googled, (laughs) that you can (laughs) still- Like, how the hell do I beat this fucking guy? (laughs) Well, like, I accidentally killed him, didn't know that I needed to not kill him, and then uh, found out I had killed him days later, that he was like an important vendor, and uh, quickly Googled like, oh my God, did I ruin this for myself? And there is a a place where you can buy that after accident, if you accidentally kill him. Um, although it does cut off some of the resource, like he had another thing he could have sold me um, that I'm really disappointed about because I think it was probably pretty good that I don't seem to have access to. But I did find his dead body today when I was trying to find <laughs> the thing to get me through the sunken Like it doesn't valley. vanish like in some games? His No, his dead body was still there. Oh, shit. Um, most, <laughs> so um, in a Souls game like this, anytime you restore your health at a checkpoint it resets all the enemies back to their places um but he wasn't an enemy so i accidentally killed him (laughs) but i didn't know he he like drew aggro on me when i I was like maybe he didn't i was hiding from a dude with a rocket launcher and i panicked and i saw a man with a shiny metal hat and i'd already been tasked with killing a bunch of people who had wooden hats who looked just like him Maybe you were just with that heightened sense of awareness, like anybody that's coming at me is just running to kill me right now. No, I'm remembering it clearly now. He was huddled in a corner with his metal hat, and I didn't know that it was metal right away. And so I have this prosthetic tool that's just a really cool axe, and that's how you take out those enemies really quickly. But it wasn't giving me the option to like backstab him like I would normally do if I was able to sneak up on him. So I just came in swinging with the axe. Which was deflected because it was as a metal hat, but then he aggroed on me and tried to kill me, which is fair because I tried first. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, enough about Sekiro. I um, just control is going to be like a back burner game for me because I want to com- like commit my focus to Sekiro so much. But control also is like really tempting me with its world and like wanting to explore it more. But I think it's time, especially since it's a heavy news day, that we jump into the news. Let's do it. Cue the news music. I think the first story and one of the biggest stories of 2021 so far is, and we're taking it from Stephen Totillo's write up over at Kotaku.com where I think they broke slightly ahead of the press release that Google Stadia is shutting down its internal studios and changing its business focus is the headline of that article. Basically, that's the, I want to go with like quick, straightforward summaries of these things. So that is a really concise way of putting it. And I recommend people go check out the Kotaku article and, and kind of read around on this if they want further stuff. But what is your take on Stadia seemingly having maybe one exclusive from their studios? Yeah. Um, basic, well, when I was reading the article, I had no idea what Stadia was, to be honest. I was like, what the fuck is this business? But reading up on it, um, 
it's like Google just trying to have a game development studio or make their own games. But I mean, they can run games flawlessly, it sounds like, but making their own or having developing their own, it's just not really working out for them. So it's it's kind of like like how Amazon is wanting to try to do that as well, break into the gaming industry. It just I don't think they should. Don't think they should. They should just leave it leave it be. Do what you do best already, and just can you know continue on. So I'm kind of glad that they're breaking out of this, and they're going to do something else. It apparently sucks though for the 150 people that wanted development jobs for this particular company, but they're apparently they're going to be finding other roles for them to do other things. But it just that's unfortunate. Yeah, I I don't want to lose kind of that labor story of you know 150 people lost jobs at a game development studio, mm-hmm. and one would assume you know Google's a big company. It sounds like they want to find them a place at Google, but yeah. maybe those people don't want to just work for Google. Maybe they wanted to make games. You know, right? Exactly. The thing I know um, that article does have an update. So um, Jade Raymond uh, came in to kind of head the internal studios there, or at least one of the internal studios at Stadia. Um, her, you know, known for creating the Assassin's Creed franchise at uh, Ubisoft and then moving on to EA for a while before being picked up by Google. Um, and she uh, has a quote to Kotaku saying, I'm proud of the team we built at Stadia Games and Entertainment and the groundbreaking work on exclusive games for the platform. It was a difficult decision to take a new uh, take on a new opportunity and I will f- be forever grateful to this team for everything we learned and achieved together. So kind of a kind sentiment from her, but obviously not talking out of class and, and kind of breaking anything. You know, it sounds very like straightforward and and not kind of spilling any secrets about what had gone on there. Right. Um, I am interested in the fact that it sounds like the direction that they are going to shift this technology and like the cloud game computing stuff to um, is trying to market it to game studios to have them use it as like a dev platform potentially, which, you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe it's kind of like internal business to business software at that point. But I think it had a lot of promise. I think, um, you know, seeing Amazon come into the same space with Luna and xCloud kind of go that same direction of game streaming is like, a sign that this is where a bunch of people who either are in the industry or really desperately want to be in the industry think it's going. So we'll have to see, but right. pour one out for Stadia's in- internal studios. If you had to bet on how much longer the uh, Stadia Pro uh, service and the $130 bundle with the controller and three months of Stadia Pro and a Chromecast was out on store shelves, uh, when do you think uh, retail Stadia and you know using Stadia just to stream other companies' games, uh, does that last without internal games as like exclusives? I mean, I think it was doing okay. It's just not going where it wanted to go. So it might just end up dropping at some point or I don't know. But I wouldn't I wouldn't think that people I mean it plays games well, it streams it well, that's nice. But some some places and some people just really want to see what else do you have to offer. Definitely. So if it doesn't have anything else to offer, why be there? 
It did sound like early on, like pre-patch, it was one of the best places to play Cyberpunk 2077. It ran Cyberpunk really well relative to the other home consoles. So there's that. There's a cluster of news stories coming out of Electronic Arts this week because they had an earnings call. And uh, with earnings call comes a barrage of of stories uh, and you know, release date stories and announcements of, of future properties. Um, and so I want to do a quick rundown. Um, I know for me personally, the most exciting one is we have a date for Mass Effect Legendary Edition, uh, the remastered collection of Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 will be coming out on May 14th this year. Angie, do you have a history with the Mass Effect series? Angie, are you there? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. Um, have you played have my... these games before? No, no, I haven't. Um, it looks it, They look fun, though. I just haven't played them myself. I don't know if they'll hit the um, patented Stellar Smalls gore factor for you, but... The Mass Effect trilogy is um, probably one of, if not my favorite game series that like started on the 360 generation. They're really great sci-fi RPGs. They strike a really cool balance between like the nerdy science fiction of like a Star Trek universe with just a bunch of like badass rebels uh, that you would kind of vibe with out of star wars and um it has all this really fascinating stuff going on in it um the first game i think probably aged a little poorly but they're doing a lot of stuff in this uh legendary edition to try and kind of smooth off those edges that maybe didn't age as well as the mass effect 2 and 3 and then um they are doing a complete visual overhaul um pulling from the official Mass Effect Legendary Edition website at EA. Um, they're doing uh, the whole thing in 4K with enhanced visuals, textures, and models. Um, they have, if you go to the EA site, um, a kind of cool feature of a couple videos and images where it has a slider where you can swipe kind of, you know, show the old version on half of the screen and the new version on half of the screen and then like pan back and forth to see um, all of the different changes. And they are drastic changes um they are drastic i mean i've never played this game before but i mean it kind of it like mentioning earlier reminds me kind of like the master chief collection remake of their games on there just they just smooth things out make it look better um and they enlarged a lot of things it looks like I, I think that's a really good comparison and I'm glad it was brought up earlier because it has that, you know, it looks like it holds together, like other than the changes they'll probably be making to Mass Effect 1, like visually, it just has that same effect of like looking at the the remake version, like, or the, you know, you know, the remastered version. It's like, oh yeah, that's what Mass Effect looks like to me. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's what the game looks like. And then when you see it side by side or you have that toggle effect of, as you brought up from Master Chief Collection, mm -hmm. you're just like, oh, oh yeah, this was an Xbox 360 game. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So uh, this will be coming out again, May 14th and it's uh, PS4 and uh, 
Xbox One game, but uh, it is going to work on PS5 and Series X in backwards compatibility. Um, there's a lot of coverage out on other sites uh, and things like that. I know from listening in on a different podcast, I think Kind of Funny um, had a discussion saying that um, they cut down the load times in the elevators from about one minute to about 14 seconds and made it so you can kind of skip these kind of infamously long elevator rides that they made. Uh, That's probably a good idea. Mask the load times in the game. Um, so you have to be in the elevator for it to load the 15 seconds, but then you can kind of skip um, towards the end of it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I am not sure if I'll revisit those games or not. They hold a really special place in my heart and I loved the time I put with them, but I don't know if I need to go back, but I kind of really badly want to go back. I mean, with how it looks, I would want to as well if I had previously played them before. I mean, I looking at them the way they are now, when you were talking about it, you mentioned Star Wars and I was like, it actually, it has... I was going to mention Star Wars. It has that little bit of a feel, not fully, but like parts of the way some of the pictures were looking there on that website. It um, was very interesting, but I like it. I, I think I, w- I would want to, since I have an Xbox One, I don't have a Series X yet. So I think I want to check it out. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I want to say is like, that's the thing that I love about Bioware. Um, you know, these are the games that made me fall in love with Bioware. And it, it touches on those same feelings that I get from a Star Trek or a Star Wars in a lot of ways, but it is so much their own science fiction universe. Yep. And um, they just did an amazing job of putting that together in a way that it feels like it to me. And again, I, I've never been a huge Star Wars fan, as I've kind of admitted multiple times on this podcast. I, I'm a very casual Star Wars fan. To me, it stands similar, obviously not shoulder to shoulder because those are things that clearly directly influenced it, but like similar level of detail and cool design and thoughtfulness put into it that I get out of stuff when I'm excited about Star Wars. So yeah, those games mean a lot to me. Mass Effect 2, probably in my top five of all time. Oh, really? Yeah. Like big games for me. So the next piece of EA investor earnings call news is EA Sports is making a new college football video game. ONS Good writes it up at Polygon.com, and the header image, I believe, was sent out in a tweet uh, from EA Sports saying, college football is coming back, EA Sports college football. Um, Did you ever play the NCAA football games, Angie? No, I was never really... Um, a sport, sports game fan. I've never really played video games with like in the sports realm, but I do know some people that would be so excited for this one when it comes out. Like so excited. And when I was reading this article, I didn't know this um from the previous games, but they had shut them down in the sense of they did use the likeness of college players and um, there was some backlash with that in the sense of no, I think the individual players, they weren't getting compensated for it. Yeah. um, You know, this ties into kind of the weird definition that NCAA uses 
of calling them, I think, like student athletes instead of, um, you know, employees who earn hundreds of millions of dollars for the NCAA every year. Yeah. Um, I fall pretty squarely on the pay these people what they're worth side of the argument. Um, but yeah, so, you know, it's been about 10 years since the last college football game. Um, and I believe they they shuttered that after a basketball player sued for the sued about the use of his likeness in a NCAA basketball game that EA had made. Um, and they just sort of stopped making them. Um, the thing yeah. that I think is um, maybe lost on people is in the press release uh, that they talk about this in, it does say, you know, they're working with the CLC, which is the, I think the collegiate licensing. Um, I don't know what the last C stands for, but it's committee. You know, the, yeah. Perfect. The <laughs> collegiate licensing <laughs> committee on um, getting the likeness of a bunch of teams and, uh, stadiums and all that stuff, but um, they're leaving it open to the NCAA's rules changing by the time this game comes out because it's early enough in development that it's going to take a couple of years. Oh, um, yeah. where, where they're saying, you know, we'll see if there's any rule changes on the use of player likenesses and endorsements uh, by the time the game is out. So there is a chance that that could shift. I know um, that decision has not been made yet. It looks like they are delaying their NCAA's vote on the proposal to let college athletes benefit from their name, image, and likeness, which is still not the same thing as paying them, but um, would be a step in the right direction. It would be. I mean, they'd get some compensation if they were to use it, it sounds like, possibly. Um, so, I mean, if they get some sort of compensation, that would be nice, just so then they could use that towards, you know, whatever they would like, maybe towards their their schooling if they don't have like scholarships or something but no i um so far i like it and if they don't change anything i think still people would love it if i mean in the sense of if they don't use the likeness of the players if they just kept going what they had it before people would still want it back and it sounds like a lot of people are just really wanting this type of game out there so yeah i, I don't think they'll fail i dabbled in um football games when I was in high school, I, they never really stuck, but I always had a, a better time with the NCAA games. I've always liked um, my college football team, the Badgers, go Badgers. Uh, I've cared about them a lot more than I've ever cared about the Green Bay Packers um, as a Wisconsinite. And uh, as a Badger student, right, I still have that like direct connection to that university um, that way. And so um, I always had, back in the day, to me, the, the NCAA games were a little bit more playful and like experimental with the feature set and the systems in them than you would get out of a Madden. Um, and so like, uh, I remember one of the NCAA games that I, I actually did buy had a system where crowd noise and like the intimidation factor of the fans played a role in how your players performed on the stadium, you know, in uh, an away game as an example. I actually like that they, they do that. Um, just because there are some fans that are absolutely batshit crazy. And if I was the other team, I'd be like, what the fuck are we doing here? Well, you know, as a former Badger, um, we have an iconic thing in our stadium in the student section where the students will literally start shouting at one another, fuck you. And the other side will shout back, eat shit. And oftentimes it's loud enough that you can hear it on the TV broadcast. Oh God. Love it. (laughs) Um, Proud, uh, proud Wisconsin Badger alumni over here. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasize. 
<laughs> proud. Very proud. Um, third news story out of the EA earnings extravaganza. Um, we have a date for E uh, for Apex Legends dropping on Nintendo Switch. Uh, that's going to be on March 9th. Uh, Jeffy Jeffy Grub Grub wrote it up on gamesbeat.com. Um, Apex also tweeted about this. And it looks like because it's going to be a little bit into the uh, season eight, which started, uh, I believe, just this week. Um, so season eight, because it's going to be a couple months into that or a month or so into that, uh, they'll start people at level 30 on their uh, season level ranks, which is really cool if they play it on the Switch. Um, there's no cross progression yet for this game, and I'm just dying for cross progression because I want to get all of my stuff from my Xbox account over to PC where I'm playing it with friends now. You can't so that you can't do that. You can't. It, it is not there over. yet. My the- my hope is that they'll get it figured out soon. I think that was something that they might have been trying to work on for the Switch release. Um, but I, I tried to poke around on the um, official Apex website for any FAQ about that and didn't see anything in terms mm. of the time frame for that. Did you ever play Apex? Have you played any seasons of Apex? Yeah, I've um, in the esports club. Um, at my school we i did play some apex with other other members or i should say um other club alumni but um it was it was fun and it it just reminded me of all of the other um games like that so fortnite especially but PUBG is what i used to play a lot more and this just reminded me of PUBG, but in a mm-hmm. different way yeah i um i really really love respawn as a dev studio and like really really got into titanfall um like titanfall is the game that got me to buy an xbox one Mm. um and so the fact that they were making this game was enough to sell it to me i think it's one of the best feeling shooters of the last generation still um and i think it's inclusive vision of what player characters and uh you know, player characters can be uh, modeled as is spectacular and like a sign of people doing good work. Yeah. Um, last story out of the EA earnings call, also at GamesBeat, but from Dean Takahashi, is that they say a new Battlefield game will be hitting holiday 2021 uh, with a with a first preview coming this spring. Did you ever get into the Battlefield series? I, I dabbled in them in high school, but uh, it didn't stick for me. Yeah, so I was actually, I mentioned this, I think, in a couple or a few podcasts ago, um, that when we were talking about what would be released this year, or possibly released, Battlefield oh, yeah, was on the Oh, yeah, the hype episode. Yeah, so we were, I'm actually excited about this one to come out, Um the a friend old roommate so he got me into playing battle battlefield we played four a lot and then when five came out we played five okay if i'm remembering correctly um all pc game um pc gaming on that one there so i mean it's fun i like it i um it's a shooter game i like shooters more than like you know more than any other game i think i just it's how what i get into but so I'm excited for this one to come out. Actually, I, I'm glad that they like confidently can say holiday 2021. Yeah, and um, just in doing some quick reading, it sounds like they're actually ahead of schedule on their benchmarks for getting the game out the door. So that's fabulous. Um, yeah, they're like 
uh, on the earnings call, they talked about being way ahead of their usual, I mean, not maybe not way ahead, but ahead of the benchmarks in a way that they have not been on previous Battlefield games, which is really cool. Um, yeah. I think um, just because it's part of Game Pass, I, I have been thinking about uh, jumping back and playing the single player campaign in Battlefield 1 because I've heard such good things about it. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, maybe the next time I need a good single player uh, shooter experience, I'll jump in that. Or I do know that they have Battlefield Bad Company 1 and 2 on uh, EA's uh, like EA Play uh, through Game Pass as well. And I've heard those are spectacular single player games as well. Yeah, it's pretty good from what I've heard. I haven't played the single player on any of them as of yet. It's just multiplayer the whole time. And, you know, that's kind of what my, you know, quick dabbling in the series was as well. My friends growing up were big Battlefield fans back on PC. Um, Speaking of shooters, though, we're now entering the Xbox zone of the official Xbox takeover of this podcast. Yes! (laughs) Um, Eddie McCooch over at GameSpot says... All Halo Infinite sandbox launch content is finished and playable. Dev now working on bug fixing and polish. Um, when I first saw this story, I was like, oh, cool. All the content is ready to go and they're just patching it up. Um, but it sounds like this is just one of the one of the many pillars that will be a part of Halo Infinite is like fully playable. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear the words Halo Infinite sandbox launch content, what does that say to you? Maybe the part of the the beta test or the beta game that might be coming out that people can play and test themselves. Maybe. Maybe. Not sure. I, so, okay. Um, jumping over. So um, that story links out to a really in-depth uh, blog post from 343 Industries um, on their website, um, Sandbox Evolved. Uh, so uh, basically saying... Uh, it's all a Q&A format. I don't want to read through this. My take on that was one of the modes will be sandbox mode. And maybe that's more of like the story mode type thing that they showed off at E3 last year, where there was like the backlash about the visuals. And I'm wondering, you know, because that looked like such an open world when they showed it off in that. Um, and it looked like kind of like something that you can explore and kind of chart different routes and explore different spaces in. So maybe they have like certain things in that sandbox that you can go do for story content at launch. And maybe they'll have, um, you know, maybe this is truly Halo Infinite in the sense that it would be like a live service game with kind of ongoing content rollouts. But I have not read this full in-depth, very long blog post from 343 um, because I'm kind of trying to go into this game with my eyes shut and just kind of experience it for the first time when I play it. Cause I know I'll be playing it. Oh, I, I agree. I kind of just want to like, I, I just want to hear that things are going great and that things are on time, that it will come out holiday 2021. I will be playing it and being super excited about it. The, like that is going to be, a way bigger deal when it hits than I like Halo games always do this to me where I get so hype about it right when it's about to come out. And so I'm like, I'm excited for a new Halo game right now, but I think I'm going to be like getting hype 
by the time it's hitting. Oh, really? Yeah. I kind of associate the medium with Xbox at this point because it's on Game Pass right now and it's the, you know, exclusive to the Series X and PC. Over at gamesindustry.biz, Matthew Handrahan writes, the medium has already recouped production and marketing costs um, as of Monday, February 1st. So um, I think that's only four days after it came out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the game came out on January 28th, and I think that's uh, four days, and it already made all of its budget back, Um, which I think is awesome and maybe is a sign that, uh, you know, Xbox, Microsoft paid a lot of money to get that to be exclusive on Game Pass. What do you think? I think that's awesome for them, but I mean... I I think that they made a really good decision just to have it available on Game Pass just because they can just get a little bit of that cut there with it and maybe that helped a little bit. I don't know. But I haven't played. I don't have the Series X yet. So have you played this since it came out? I have it installed and I had every intention of playing it before this episode and just couldn't get my hands off Sekiro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I will try and report back uh, for it uh, next week. I think the thing that's hard for me is I usually don't jump in head first into horror games. Um, I think the only one that I've like ever tepidly really checked out by my own volition was Dead Space 1. Um, yeah. And so it can be hard for me to get into horror games. But I'm interested. I thought it looked really cool in what they showed off at the you know big uh, exclusive showcase where they showed off the kind of split world gameplay where it's got the two different world states uh going on so i'm eager to check it out but i i want to find time for it and i just want to keep focusing on sekiro until i hammer through it until you're done with it i do want to play the medium though i i see that it is available on pc as well so i might just get like game pass for pc and do it that way uh, i might have to do a stream with it because i don't really play horror games whatsoever because i am a jumpy person like oh that's perfect stream content so i think that it'd be awesome to just see how that will all play out scare small saturdays coming soon to a twitch near you (laughs) that's so good that's so good i'm gonna use it yeah i know they also have resident evil 7 on game pass on pc as well so you could keep the horror train going for a while oh nice there you go i haven't played resident evil for a really long time so that that will be that would be interesting to get into as well Yeah. Speaking of Game Pass, over at the Xbox Wire, Megan Spur has updated that coming really soon uh, to Game Pass are a bunch of new titles for February, even though we just came off of that big (laughs) injection of stuff uh, at the end of January. Um, So I'm going to just do a quick rundown of those games. Uh, We have Ghost of a Tale for PC, uh, Project Winter for mobile uh, X box game pass uh console and pc uh the falconer for all three platforms final fantasy 12 the zodiac age for console and pc shout out to that game i will get back to it on switch as soon as i beat mario 64 it is (laughs) so good um i i really like if people remotely like star wars they should check that out that's like the most star warsy final fantasy game Um, And then we have Jurassic World Evolution, which is already available on PC Game Pass, coming to both mobile and console on February 11th. Stealth Inc. 2, 
on mobile and console on February 11th. And f- closing things out, we have Wolfenstein Youngblood on February 11th, which was the kind of co-op spin-off game from uh, the second of the newer Wolfenstein games. Any of those stand out as things that you'd want to check out? I had never heard of Project Winter or um, Ghost of a Tale. Um, those are both ID at Xbox games. Project Winter sounded a little bit like um, it was influenced by Among Us. Is it? Description? Yeah. So um, from the blog post, the perfect game to backstab your friends, Project Winter is an eight-person multiplayer game focusing on social deception and survival. Communication and teamwork are essential to, to the survivor's goal of escape. Gather resources, repair structures, and brave the wilderness together. So it sounds like maybe a fusion of like a survival game and a um social deception game in the vein of among us oh my gosh okay so i want to get this game now and i want all of us to play it together i think that would be so fun to try and see what we can do with it i technically already have it come tomorrow as of this recording (laughs) so (laughs) i'm down Oh, I think it would be fun because I've always wanted to do a, like a survival game or games like that with a group of people um, just to see how the group can, you know, get things together or get done together. So that would be fun to see. Yeah. And I also I so I've always loved the board game versions of social deception games. Um, the Resistance stands out as like an all time favorite. And um, One Night Ultimate Werewolf is a little bit less fun for me because uh, I play with people who have way more experience and I lose every time. But um, so I, you know, Among Us definitely appeals to me, but um, being able to get in fresh and kind of learn it all all together sounds like it would be a good time. And I just love the, um, they have this little image uh, for Project Winter that just looks really, really, I like the art style a lot. Oh yeah, um, same. Yeah, so. And plus we're from Minnesota or I am from Minnesota. So like, I just kind of want to do have more winter in my life apparently (laughs) yeah can't can never have enough um i do want to shout out two quick news stories i know we're running a little long today so um one is that uh in big news that dropped today on wednesday embracer group which used to be uh thq nordic ab which is the parent company that owns thq nordic and has been doing all of those acquisitions over the last several years has bought Gearbox for $1.3 billion, Gearbox being the studio behind Borderlands. Um, and this new story I'm reading from uh, Eddie McCooch over at GameSpot GameStop. as well. I always am so worried of calling it GameStop, especially after all the GameStop news <laughs> recently. Um, and then uh, in an IGN article following up on that, there was a conversation with 2K about them continuing to publish Borderlands games. I'm not sure if that means Gearbox is losing the publishing rights to those and is, or, you know, the development control over those games anymore, or if there's going to be some sort of arrangement between Embracer Group and 2K to keep that in house there. Um, But I think that's a a big news story that I just uh, didn't compete with the other stuff for the Xbox takeover. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, speaking of being uh, from Minnesota, uh, the last thing I wanted to do was uh, shout out a really cool story that is a follow-up to uh, the GameStop stock adventures of last week. Um, rip to everyone who held on with their diamond hands because it looked like uh, if I do a quick search for the GME price, uh, we're sitting at a solid $92. Uh, so unless you bought in early, uh, it's 
been going on a steady downward uh, trajectory for a while here. But one of the people who got out when the getting out was good uh, from some reporting at KTS or KSTP, uh, which looks like it is a eyewitness news provider for Minnesota. Um, Minnesota man uses earnings from GameStop stock to donate to Children's Minnesota. Um, and it looks like this guy is 21-year-old Hunter Khan, um, bought the shares when they were $30. And since it paid off so well, he bought six Nintendo Switches and dozens of games to donate to Children's Hospital of Minnesota um, to give some kids in the hospital some fun stuff to do. What a cool way of paying it forward. Seriously. Um, and it's such a Minnesota thing to do, honestly. Um, people, like you hear about Minnesota Nice, this is like the perfect story for them. Yeah, just... He's young. He didn't have to do that, but that's awesome. No, You know what? Like, that gives me hope for the Zoomers out there. No offense to the Zoomers, but um, (laughs) talk about a a really, like, touching, lovely thing to do. And it's awesome that it ties into being uh, from Minnesota because, you know, I'm the odd person out. (laughs) I'm the badger who's (laughs) – I'm I'm the black hat badger who's burrowed my way into your gaming podcast from from the south in Wisconsin. We're going to skip a mostly normal question this week. If you are pissed off about that, send some in, please. I would love to see emails or tweets with suggestions for some mostly normal questions. Please do. For this week, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you, Angie, so much for joining me for this uh, two-person pod. It's been really fun. Uh, Would you please let me know, again, where can everyone catch you on the internet lately? At Stellar Smalls, everywhere and anywhere. Yeah. Grab those, uh, you know, follow her on Twitter because that is where I found out the stream was going live for Twitch and uh, jump on and follow on Twitch so you can get notifications when she's live because she deserves your support. You Um, stream too, don't you, Chris? We're working on it. I (laughs) might be doing some early morning coffee streams uh, because I think I'm going to be uh, alone at home in the mornings coming soon. Uh, and so I might take some of that time to do some game streaming and low-key coffee chat while I get caffeinated for the day. Oh, um, yeah. Tell me, tell me. I'll uh, I'll have some coffee, too. Yeah, it'll be uh, coming soon, but it might be even enough to do it <laughs> almost uh, four days a week and mornings. But don't hold me to that. I'm going to try and see what the schedule feels like. Um, but if you do want to follow along on Twitch... You can find me at VG Occasion there and on Twitter at VG Occasion. I've been a little bit more active lately. Um, if you want to follow the show, please do and follow us on Twitter at MN Gamers Podcast. Uh, send those emails with mostly normal questions or even gaming specific questions or write in about how I'm totally wrong to have killed Black Hat Badger, especially as a Wisconsin Badger. How dare you, Chris? Um, to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com and sign up for Mostly Normal Monthly. It's going to be hitting inboxes on Monday at 9 a.m. Please check it out. We put a lot of hard work into that and February's issue will be no different. Find us on the podcatcher of your choice. Please hit us up with a five-star review and recommend us to some friends. We love to grow the show and those are great ways to do it. And for now, that's going to be the end of show. Everyone run off, play some games, Angie stream some games, and I'm going to jump back into Sekiro and Control. 
See everyone next week. Bye. Bye.